0: Hello and welcome to the Daily Gopher Podcast. I am U Street. With me this week to commiserate about the loss to Michigan is Blake, Iowa Gopher. Pleasure to be here as always. And Andy, Gopher Guy05.
1: Is it really a pleasure though? I mean, it's nice, but pleasure? That might be pushing it.
0: <laughs> it's good to see that Andy is in a happy, optimistic mood. Uh, I believe the reason we're all in a happy, optimistic mood is because Saturday sucked. Uh, And it sucked uh, for two reasons. One, a major loss, not great. But two, the defensive performance was uh, shatteringly bad. Uh, I have heard some people, including one of these people on this podcast, wrongly attribute as as bad as the Rob Smith debacle against Illinois. And while that is impossible to ever come through, uh, the defense did not look good against Michigan. Blake, what were your thoughts on this problem?
2: Um you know where to begin uh it was bad Uh, I'll say that um I think we can all agree on that um it was just collectively a horrible night for everyone on defense I don't don't know that anyone came out of it um feeling feeling well especially on defense I mean even when you have um Benjamin St. Juice and Cody Derrick corner they did okay but they both had their moments too where they where they struggled and um it was just for me an extremely discouraging performance. I mean, they only forced one punt all game, three missed field goals, and then in garbage times stopped them on fourth down um, with the second string in. But uh, I was, certainly was expecting struggles, knowing that this is a defense replacing seven starters um, from a year ago, and a lot of a lot of positions. There's some youth and inexperience, um, but I certainly wasn't expecting them to just completely get annihilated. Um, just you know, Michigan just imposed its will. On the defense for most of the game and just did whatever they wanted. Um, and obviously, Michigan fans are having a blast this week, thinking that they look like world beaters. And you know, sincerely, I hope they are that good. And that's part of the problem too. Is um, after week one, it's just hard to know if is Michigan that good, is Minnesota that bad. It's just it's just really tough to make a lot of uh, judgments after week one. I think some clarity will come this week, maybe next week um, if the games happen. Um, but yeah, I just I have some deep concerns about the the defense moving forward just because I feel like a lot of the a lot of the problems against Michigan were um, just young players making mental mistakes, some older players making mental mistakes and I just I don't know how much they can grow up um, in an eight game season. Um, so I do I do have faith in Joe Rossi yet. I don't think he's the second coming over Ross of uh, Rob Smith by any means, um, but I just have some questions about how much he can control the season, how much he can fix um, in the short term, but, uh, yeah, extremely, extremely discouraging, uh, defensive performance on Saturday.
0: Andy Blake is being, uh, the full Eeyore on the podcast. Do you take any optimism from the defensive performance in any facet whatsoever, or do you share an identical
1: view? Well, I have optimism. Hopefully, that I think that the defense might snap out of it a little bit sooner. Uh, obviously, Blake is worried this might be a season-long problem. Um, but yeah, it was it was ugly on Saturday. There's no doubt. Uh, you know, I I the corners were the highlight, and and that's not saying much. Um, the safeties were atrocious. The linebackers were atrocious. The D line was atrocious, except for one boy Mafe sack, and then he disappeared. Um, so you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the hopes that. Minnesota, at least traditionally under P.J. Fleck, has been a horribly slow starting team, especially on the defensive end. Um, I mean, if you remember, yeah, the Gophers went 3-0 and in the non-conference season, but even the defense looked pretty pliable against South Dakota State and Georgia Southern and uh, Fresno State last year. So obviously uh, Michigan is a much better team than any of those three, and it was a really tough task right away. Um, you know, I think we'll get a little bit better read on the uh, on the season-long struggles of the defense the next couple of weeks as they play what should be much weaker opponents in Maryland and Illinois. Um, you know, if the, if the defense is still struggling against both those schools, then yeah, it, it, it could be a bit of a long year. Um, but if, if Joe Rossi and P.J. Fleck can, can right the ship and they can uh, fix some fix some problems and and look considerably better against uh, maryland and, and illinois getting ready to go into to the heart of the schedule against purdue and iowa and wisconsin um i'll feel a little bit better so um i i'm, I'm still holding out uh, my judgment uh you know I'm, I'm hoping that we'll see a much better performance this weekend but uh they definitely got a lot to fix this week both in in film study and in practice that's for sure
0: Definitely. It's almost certainly the case, just for those who were watching at home, that the defense also had to deal with the after effects uh, and implications of COVID, both within the kicker's room, so there's a very good chance, though P.J. Fleck never releases officially anything related to injuries, but there's a very good chance that the starting punter as well as the backup punter as well as the starting kickoff specialist all in some way were either diagnosed with COVID or part of tracing and were not available for the game. This is part of the reason why the defense began the vast majority of its possessions on short fields. And I think that does have something, while I am not a huge believer in momentum and I agree with my colleagues, there is something to be said for the fact that the defense was having to deal with a lot of short fields very quickly, and so Michigan was able to score or use a use a offensive playbook they might not have been able to use in the same way if they had much worse field position. But that is neither here nor there uh, because it was also the case that the defense couldn't stop anyone and the offense at critical times was unable to score. So Blake, one of the things that I took from the game on Saturday that was both optimistic in some sense for the rest of the schedule, but distinctly pessimistic for trying to beat Michigan, is that the offense gave away points. In particular, they gave away 10 points not being able to get into the end zone. Those 10 points probably changed the tenor of the game, if not necessarily the outcome. So from what you saw on Saturday, which incidentally was Mark Sanford, the new offensive coordinator's first game behind the helm calling the plays how should we feel about the offense going into week two
2: you know i think you can feel pretty good i mean from the start there minus two starters in the offensive line which we kind of knew coming in um right tackle daniel filet has all but confirmed that he's opted out of the season and uh curtis Dunlap, the right guard who for a 24 hour period seemed to be transferring this offseason um he was seen on the sideline with uh hard cast on his foot and the rumors are are an acl so it sounds like for the foreseeable future those two are going to be gone and so we saw the offensive line shuffle a little bit and naturally they didn't look great at times but i also think that they did look pretty pretty good you know especially in run blocking they paved the way for mohammed Ibrahim to have 140 yards i believe on the ground which i i thought he looked great and he looked that's exactly what i expected from him um Pass protection was a bit of a different story, as you know, Tanner got blown up on the the ball that just landed into a defensive lineman's hands, and he strolled into the end zone. And it it, and it's tough too to kind of assess the offense, Um, and especially you know Mike Sanford and Matt Simon, uh, because how much of that game plan were they able to stick to when Michigan scored every drive? And there's pressure on that offense to to keep pace and catch up with them. And at a certain point, they Michigan knew what was coming, and they just could just pin their ears back and trying to take down uh, Tanner Morgan in the backfield, which they did on one occasion, back-to-back-to-back to back to back, uh, for three sacks, so I mean, it's 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 really tough to make a fair assessment of how the offense did, but I mean, 24 points against a Don Brown defense is pretty damn good, um, especially for a season opener with a new play caller, um, you know, offensive line kind of missing, and if, if there was a disappointment, it was, I think, that um, the wide receiver core really struggled outside of Rashad Bateman. The, literally, only one wide right receiver um, recorded a reception outside of Bateman, and that was chris ottman bell had one catch for i think about 45 yards otherwise it was a pretty quiet night for rashad bateman's supporting cast but i was uh, happy to see the tight ends get involved in the passing game and only took you know two plays into the game before Ko was hauling in his first career touchdown and i don't, I don't know that anyone thought Ko would be the one um who'd be the beneficiary of the tight ends being involved in the passing game but uh As a fan of this tight end group, I'm all for it. So I I think it's it's fair to be optimistic about the offense. Um, It was a tough game for them in terms of the circumstances, but I thought they uh, performed well considering.
0: What about you, Andy?
1: Yeah, you know, all in all, you uh, you can't really fault the offense for, for Saturday's performance. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be uh, adapting that offensive line, you know, um, not having your two big anchors on the right side and, and shifting people. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure that, that uh, Brian Callahan and that group have been working mostly with that combination of players for the most part of practice but they still looked like they uh, they hadn't had much time together they were a lot of sync at times and and so i think you know as blake was saying run blocking was much better than pass protecting pass protecting um you know and a lot of this had to do with don brown and his, his blitz packages and things like that but there were several times where tanner morgan either a uh, didn't have a chance to get rid of the ball or b uh, wasn't very accurate because he was he was getting rid of things really, really quickly because he didn't have much time on Saturday. So I think that going forward will be key, especially for uh, the improved play of the, of the wide receiver core. Obviously, we know every single team is going to be, be keying on Rashad Bateman all year. Um, you know, I think Chris Chris Osmond-Bell made that one nice comeback catch on the one throw by, by Morgan. But I think, you know, we didn't really see much out of him out of the slot where he did a lot of things last season um you know that that third wide receiver spot whether it be daniel jackson who got most of the snaps um you know seth green might be able to see some time it'll be interesting to see what what the gophers can do to dial up something a little bit different there it was nice to get the the tight ends into the action um Personally, I still wonder why we're throwing the ball to Co'Keefe so much. I mean, Co'Keefe is a, is a great player, don't get me wrong, but you know, for three years we'd thought of hit, nothing of him as basically a, a glorified blocking tight end fullback, and all of a sudden he's our downfield passing threat, um, which was a little surprising. But I suppose you, you take whatever the defense is going to give you as well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that the offensive line can gel a little bit more and give, uh, give Tanner Morgan some more time and hopefully with more time and and confidence in the pocket he can better find some of his uh you know big play receivers downfield on saturday or on friday against uh, maryland
0: a wrinkle that i enjoyed though it wasn't done as much as perhaps we'll expect to see for the rest of the season was getting the running backs out into space to make plays in the passing game uh Trace on Potts in particular had a couple of nice uh, little routes. Tanner Morgan was looking at a different receiver and therefore missed Potts leaking out on a wheel route that would have been a walk into the end zone. Those kinds of wrinkles weren't really there last year under Sharaka, so it'll be interesting to see how those develop with the uh, passing game going forward. We, speaking of going forward, will transition into the brave new world of Friday night games with this week coming up against Maryland. I know absolutely nothing about Maryland, though the blog staff were talking about this ahead of the podcast on which mascots do we think that we might be able to take in a fight, and none of us picked the turtle on the grounds that it had a hard shell, the ability to snap, and the ability to pop back in. So Blake... Do you think that Minnesota's defense will have a chance of besting Maryland's offense?
2: Uh, you know, it's kind of uh, it's interesting. To ask obviously, from what we see in Minnesota's defense, they look like Swiss cheese against Michigan. But uh, Maryland's offense uh, last weekend against uh, Northwestern did, didn't look so hot either. They I think they lost forty three to three. Um, so I managed to all three points, um, and they're in year two of the Mike's-Loxley era. Um, as you remember, if you recall, he was hired after DJ Durkin was fired, which feels like uh, forever ago. And Loxley seems Loxley seems to be the guy that um, they think has solved the problem culturally, but so far the results on the field haven't uh, really matched his enthusiasm. And you know, on offense, they run it. They want to run a spread offense. They want to spread you out um, and kind of run and, and just. You know when the when, there's, when when the numbers matchups in the box and kind of run on you, um, but they lost a lot last season in the backfield. Uh, their their top three rushers I think are gone. Actually, their top two top two rushers, Javon Leak and um, I believe what was the other rack. Uh, Anthony McFarland, are both gone. they their third leading rusher from last season, Tan Fleet Davis, um, did not participate last week uh, due to uh, I think a DUI he had th- this the year before. So their starting running back is Jake Funk, who's uh, I believe he's a senior. He's not really the kind of workhorse back. He's more of a change of pace guy. But now they have to kind of lean on him um, to be to be the guy at running back. And Northwestern's game plan against them really was to just stack the box, stop the run, and force um, their quarterback Tonga uh, Valoa, to beat them to his brother. And that that game plan worked. You know, on the ground they only mustered I think, about 64 rushing yards, and at a certain point just gave up trying to run the ball and really leaned on Talia to help them in the passing game. And he, um, in his first career start, uh, was just not great. Um, you know, he's a guy that was – his decision-making accuracy just wasn't there at times. He was focused on trying to hit the home run plays and ended up throwing, I think, three interceptions, two in a double coverage, and just one on an overthrow downfield. So uh, their offense, that first game, just not clicking very well, eye you know, on the ground or in the past game. They do have a, a pretty good receiver, Dante Dimas, who's – Um, a potential NFL draft pick at some point, Um, but he really didn't see much action on Saturday just because Talia really struggled. I believe Talia actually went... um was his stat line 14 and 25 for 94 yards and three interceptions so just a really tough first start for him i think he mentioned after the game that he had some first game jitters and it was definitely apparent um, i mean he tried he's pretty good in that in, in and out of the pocket you know he can he's got some good legs he can he's got some good poise but he's just a guy that i think he's young and experienced and he's going to make if you force him into it he's going to make a lot of mistakes and that's what happened against northwestern so um as far as how um They'll fare against Minnesota, considering the Minnesota's defensive form at Week One. Um, I, I we'll see.
0: Very optimistic thoughts uh, from Blake. We also might be thinking a little bit about Maryland's defense versus Minnesota's offense, and we'll bring Andy here in a second to counteract Blake's overt negativity about this. But from what you've seen, Blake, in your preview for Maryland's defense, how should we expect Minnesota and Minnesota's offense on Friday, and what do you think their chances are of moving the ball and scoring a lot of points?
2: I mean, if you watched uh, Minnesota on Saturday, watched their defense, you pretty much watched Maryland's defense uh, as well. They had a lot of similar struggles. Um, they've got a couple um, really good linebackers in Chase Campbell and Allende, L.A., um, and those two were their top two tacklers against Northwestern, but really they, they really struggled in the run fits. Um, I think Northwestern racked up um, something in the tune of 325 rushing yards against uh, Maryland on Saturday and uh, just – they really could not wrap up and just a lot of gashed them for a lot of big gains um their defensive line um got some decent pressure but just yeah against the run game they just weren't couldn't couldn't get tackles couldn't plug gaps um they were out of position you know weren't following assignments things like that so it looked very similar to what uh, minnesota did against michigan and in the secondary they played a lot of zone coverage and Kate ramsey who's former quarterback in Indiana transferred as a grad transfer to Northwestern this year, just, just picked them apart. Um, I mean, they, they've lost a lot in the secondary two from a season ago and they've got a lot of youth back there and, um, yeah, defensively just really not great. And I think, uh, I don't know how much this will impact the matchup of Minnesota, but the, uh, I know Northwestern really kind of kept them on their heels going no huddle at times and the while and Maryland really struggled to kind of match personnel with them at times. So, uh, defensively not great. Um, they didn't even register a sack against Northwestern they kind of let him Ramsey escape the pocket quite a bit and extend plays so uh, really tough first game for the Maryland defense obviously they allowed four to three points so uh, but also similar to Minnesota they were putting a lot of short fields because of the turn turnovers obviously Talia um, Tungabailoa had three interceptions I think they had at least two fumbles that they gave up so um, really tough matchup for them and yeah as far as Minnesota's offense. I think if Minnesota can put up 24 points against Michigan's defense, I would imagine they'd be fairly successful against Maryland, especially with the way Mohamed Ibrahim was running and the way the offensive line was run blocking. I I could see them having similar success as Northwestern on the ground.
0: Andy, Blake has been super negative, uh, and that may filter into his prediction at the end of this podcast. For you, do you see optimism as Minnesota goes into Maryland?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, uh, obviously, first week was ugly for both teams, but I I do have more confidence in the Gophers being able to figure out what went wrong in Week 1 heading into Week 2 than I do Maryland. Um, You know, I'm sure that's a little bit of of Homer optimism, but I I do think that, um, you know, it's fairly obvious that the Minnesota offense is is much better than the Maryland offense, and the Michigan defense is much better than the Maryland defense. So, uh, as Blake said, you know, we put up 24 points, granted, A good chunk of that. We got a little bit of short field help too with the block punt and things like that. But the Gophers did have a few sustained drives with Mohamed Ibrahim on the ground, and and Tanner Morgan was able to find uh, Bateman for for chunks there and the tight end for chunks there. So I I do believe that the Gopher offense should be able to move the ball pretty easily on, on Friday night. Um, you know, obviously with Northwestern racking up 325 yards, you know, you'd hope for a big game for Muhammad Ibrahim, and it'd be nice to see maybe a, a breakout performance from either Cam Wiley or, or Trey Potts, too, in that second hole. Um, you know, I think I think Potts, uh, you know, he, he's got more of the breakaway speed, I think, than Wiley does, so if he can get outside the tackle box or if he can catch a, a screen and get a couple blocks downfield, I think he could really take advantage of a couple big plays. Um... But that's going to be the other thing. If, if Maryland does get lulled into playing that soft zone, like they get against Northwestern, as long as Tanner Morgan gets protection, he should be able to pick that apart. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, zone. You're just you're just asking for uh, Bateman to be able to find the holes in the defense and get open, and 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 Chris Hotman Bell. So I I do think that that will bode well for the Gopher offense against the Maryland defense. Uh, on the other side, it, it's going to be again, you know working on those run fits, uh, for the Gophers. Obviously, uh, a pass rush would be great too for putting pressure on a, on a young quarterback, making his second start. If, if Minnesota can, can get some pressure on him and force him to make more turnovers, that'd be good. But a lot of it's going to be initially stopping the run and, and making sure those linebackers, uh, whether it's Cody Lingenberg back there again or whether we see if, uh, if James Gordon might be back or uh, Donald Willis might see some more time. It sounds like they didn't see a ton of time week one, uh, just due to the fact that they were, they'd only practiced a few days. They they may have spent uh, a good chunk of fall camp uh, not able to practice um, due to probably COVID issues and things like that. So, uh, you know, hopefully they with another week they might be able to to get a little more time. If if Lindenburg is struggling, uh, Mariano Sori Mar- Marin hopefully can and step up a little bit. He he didn't have the best game. Is is sort of the the veteran on that linebacking core. Um, and, and then the safeties, obviously, uh, between Jordan Howden and whether it's uh, Tyler Newbin or or whoever may step into that second role have got to be able to play a little bit better too. So, um, you know, I, I do think it's going to be a work in progress, and Maryland's probably going to put up more than the three points they did against Northwestern. But uh, if this game becomes a shootout, I, I still have pretty good confidence in the Gophers being able to outscore Maryland.
0: I have no specific view as to whether or not this should be a shootout, though I will say that from a base talent perspective, the assumption should be that Minnesota is more talented than Maryland. Now, whether or not that means that Minnesota on Friday will actually beat Maryland is a separate question. My two position groups to watch uh, is in fact not going to involve... Just the offense and defense. This week, the position group of most interest to me is the special teams. In particular, if whether or not the starting punter, starting kicker, and backup kicker are able to play or not. I think that if they are, that will drastically change Minnesota's approach to this game. It means that we won't have ridiculous sky kicks, we won't have weird squib kicks, and we'll have a punter who can kick the ball more than 20 yards in the air. All of those would be distinct positives, and that would also change the uh, inflection of the game. I think it would also provide uh, pj a little bit more uh, say relaxation than he would have otherwise if they are not able to go i think we might actually want to expect that minnesota will be going for it on fourth down an awful lot which if you don't have a partisan rooting interest in this game should be super fun to watch so that's the position number one position number two as blake alluded to uh, in terms of having to figure things out i want to see the front four for minnesota get sustained pressure on the quarterback and stuff up run holes by themselves to in essence provide the linebackers the ability in obvious passing situations to drop seven and in run situations to not consistently get caught in the wash one of the things that has to be the case for minnesota is that especially on defense they're more senior players they're more experienced players need to step up and show leadership and there's an awful lot of experience not necessarily that we've seen it yet, but there is an awful lot of experience on that defensive line. And so while we might be able, in some sense, to accept mistakes from players making their first career starts, such as Cody Lindenberg or Tyler Newbin, we should not expect that to be true for players on the defensive line who have played quite a few snaps in the last couple of years. I think if they are able to do that, if they're able to pressure the quarterback, if Maryland is uncomfortable on offense, even if this is a shootout, I like Minnesota quite a bit with that let us turn to our general predictions andy who you got
1: yeah you know like i said i think the gopher offense is going to have a fairly big advantage in this one and even if the defense is still trying to figure things out i i do think that the offense is is going to be able to uh to carry the load this week uh, unlike last week where you know don brown had, had things dialed up i do think that maryland's not going to be able to pose quite as big a challenge so uh, i'll take the gophers 42 24 the offense uh stays hot the defense might still struggle a little bit but it won't be enough to uh, to matter how about you blake
2: well, I think you hit the nail on the head of the special teams. I mean, I don't think anyone would disagree that Saturday was it was pretty much a disaster on special teams. I mean, when you can't kick off and you can't punt, I mean, we saw really how valuable those two positions are for this team. And I'll be curious if those two are still aren't available, um, what the game plan will be for Saturday, because obviously what they tried um, against Michigan is just not sustainable and not um, going to be conducive to a successful game. So. Um, that'll certainly be something to watch, especially in pregame warmups, to see if those two are, are out there for the first time this season. But um, offensively, I think Minnesota will put up a lot of points on this defense. i um, looking for them to really get going on the ground um, and hopefully see Tanner Morgan just get a little bit more comfortable and maybe go through his progressions a little bit more, and hopefully we get to see some of those younger guys like Trey Potts and you know Chris Hoffman bell and Daniel Jackson um, get some more action in the past game. In on the ground, so just really want to see those playmakers get um, get their hands dirty and um, get the ball. Um, defensively for Minnesota, I just I honestly don't have a lot of confidence in this defense. And you know we've been burned by Maryland before. I'm um, just two, I think it's just two years ago and the year before that, um, Maryland's athletes just burned those Rob Smith defenses that um, couldn't stop the run, couldn't um, maintain their run fits or plug gaps. And I think that's they don't quite they don't quite have the athletes they used to. But I think that's going to be a problem. Um, right now, if they play better than they did against Northwestern, and um, yeah, with that with that said, I just I'm gonna be a grump about it. I'm gonna go Maryland, 35, 32.
0: So let us very much hope that Blake is wrong when y'all wake up on Saturday morning. Uh, I believe that Minnesota should beat Maryland, so my prediction is that they will do so. I will not give a point score, but I do think that from a nonpartisan perspective, this game could either be incredibly fun to watch, i.e. offensive shootout, or incredibly boring to watch, i.e. one side very quickly taking it to the other side. My fervent hope is that that is Minnesota to Maryland and not in the reverse. But thank you very much for listening to this podcast this week. Make sure to check out the Daily Game. Gopher for not only previews, but all other articles that we'll have in the run-up to the Maryland game, as well as various game threads. And with that, go Gophers, row the boat, and make sure to vote.